this series we have entitled Identity Surrendered. It means that uh, when we come to God and we come to the Bible, uh, what we do is uh, we take any identity that we may have and we surrender that. It is no longer our own. And uh, what we want to do is we want to take our thoughts, our views of how we think everything should go, and we want to surrender that to God's Word. And so that's the heart behind Ephesians. There's so much uh, about our identity in a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus. Uh, In Ephesians, it's very helpful to us. But there's also a lot about our identity as a brother and a sister to people in the body of Christ, not just in a local church, but how to, how to do well with other local churches or other believers that, that we might know. And what is painfully obvious right now is I'm holding a tennis racket, and maybe some of you are distracted a little bit and wondering why I'm flipping my tennis racket around. No, I don't have a tennis ball, and I'm not going to you know, do one of these and lob a ball out into the, into the pews. But I, I wonder if you've, ever, if you've ever watched tennis or played tennis uh, when... when a certain player perhaps isn't doing as well as uh, they think and, and the ball isn't going where they want it to and they're not defeating their opponent. Do you know what the player sometimes does with the racket? You know, right, they slam it on the ground and the courts are never very forgiving. You know, these rackets aren't... I guess this has a few scratches on the edge right here. Maybe I'm, I'm busted. This is probably my brother's. It can't be mine. Uh... <laughs> One time, uh, when I was probably in late junior high or early high school, we were playing uh, doubles with friends of ours, and one of my opponents got so mad <laughs> that he launched his racket. And I remember hearing the, you know, that sort of noise, and <laughs> we have to duck. And uh, his dad had to buy him another racket or something. Um, but, but what happens when, that, when you get mad? Like, you're trying to control the ball. Right? You, you want it to go a certain way, and it doesn't happen, and then there's frustration. And well, I want you to pay attention, because I have a couple of illustrations this morning. Tennis is, is one of those. The best players control the ball, and they know exactly where it's going. And they can hit it harder than the other player and outsmart the other player and figure out their weakness, and they can have that sense of control over a game. Tennis is very, very strategic. I once heard that tennis is the second most mentally challenging game besides chess. I don't know if that's true or not, but as a guy who's played some tennis, it takes a lot of thought to really figure out what you're, what you're doing. All right, so there's a lot to it. Uh, but think about that idea today of control. And I'm not, I'm not preaching today of, of how to be in control of our lives. I said we want to come under God's word. Actually, what we want to do is we want to give up control. <laughs> the title today is When God Has Control. So this isn't a sermon about how to be a great tennis-playing Christian and have perfect control of your life and know exactly where everything is going. Actually, what it is is to trust that God knows all of that about our lives. All right, so some challenge today ahead. I was challenged, and I'm going to be very open and accountable with you today, so pay attention. There's our tennis racket. Think about that as we go along here. Four things about a God-controlled life from these verses that we looked at in Ephesians 5 today. A God-controlled life. Uh, Verse 15, look carefully how you uh, walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of time. A God-controlled life maximizes time. We want to make the best use of our time. Why does it say that? Because 
The days are evil. This isn't just a time management seminar. You ever been to one of those? They're helpful. I've been to some. And if they're really good ones, they give you a little planner or whatever at the end, and you can fill it out and manage your time better. This isn't just simple management of time. We recognize that even even though this letter was written a couple of thousand years ago, we still know that we live in times where where evil is going to have a voice and an influence. So, so let's avoid a couple of extremes when we're thinking about our time. On, on one extreme is where, where work or school or all of the commitments that we make in our lives, what they do is they constantly pull us from obligations with family or maybe your spouse wishes that you had more time available. And if, if that's the case and your work and your obligations are taking you away from things that people in your life would rather have you be a part of, that I want you to pay attention to that. I think that's a, a, good, a good thing to come, hey, are we making the best use of time? <clears throat> but on the other end, if we're so in pursuit of leisure and we, we work a basic amount, and then we fill all of our free time up with leisure and every single thing that we want to do, and, and we're never able to make a sacrificial commitment, we're never able to serve the Lord or make a disciple or mentor another believer, and all we're going to do is just do what we want to do, then we want to pay attention on that e- extreme as well. So one extreme is we're so busy with all of our commitments, we, we don't have time for the things that are important. And the other extreme can be with our time that we're not really making the most use of it because we're spending it all on ourselves and, and all of our interests, and we don't have time to, to sacrificially serve the Lord. So that's the challenge in, in, in maximizing time. But, but if we zoom out just a little bit, I want to challenge you to hear this in the context of the way these believers are being encouraged. The author of the letter, Paul, is encouraging them to walk in love and to walk, we're going to get into the next uh, set of verses, in wisdom. And so in love and in wisdom, can we love our family? Can we walk in fellowship lovingly with other believers if we really have no time to do so? Because we've filled up our time and spread ourselves so thin to the margins of our lives. Let us work hard to be generous, but, but not work so hard that we dull the effectiveness of our ability to love. A God-controlled life will help us grow toward that balance. Now, if you're like me, one of the biggest contenders for my time, okay, I've got a minute, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to take a breath. What's the big contender? I'm not really interested in this conversation right now, so I'm going to see if I'm important and somebody has sent me a message, right? Is my phone. I've got a minute to breathe. I'm going to sit, you know, the people get their phone out at the red light or they're in the waiting room and we're just doing this because we don't have anything better to do. I have an app on my phone and some of you on your phones have something built into it that may be similar to this, but I actually took the last full week of data and I'm going to share with you what... I did on my phone for a week. You ready to see this? Here's a picture of it. I was on my phone from the week of May 23rd until the 29th for 17 hours and 8 minutes. That's what it says. And you can judge me if you want right now. I don't care. I'm not standing behind this like this is perfect. I'm not trying to tell you this is perfect. But some of it's work. Okay, some of it's leisure, 
Some of it's spiritual. Signal, if you don't know what that is, is a messaging and a calling app. I use that for my international connections. It's very, very secure and used for that. So if you're kind of wondering what is Signal, that's what that is. But, you know, from texting and, oh, Facebook and Twitter, yeah, you know, waste some time on there. <laughs> Not a whole lot productive. Maybe I'll catch a good article to read on Twitter or something. But, but that's my life on my phone. And, and I, I don't put that out there to say I'm better or worse than anybody else. I put that out there to say I'm going to challenge you to evaluate your time. It's what the verse tells us to do, right? Think about our time. We want to make good use of our time. The days are evil. I don't want to get sucked up in evil. I want to have a mind that's fresh for good. And so I just I share that to you. It's the most recent thing. I can't doctor it up. It's just, it's just hard data. That's what it is. I love if that spurred some conversations. Hey, have a conversation with me if you want. Or we'll have a conversation together about what we're doing with these things in our pockets. All right. That's time. That's right here on the page. The challenge to maximize our time. Verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. A God-controlled life seeks the Lord's will. Now, when I think about wisdom and foolishness, therefore, do not be foolish, uh, one of the places in the Bible that talks a lot about that is a book called Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs were mostly written about a thousand years before Jesus ever walked the earth. Uh, somewhere in that time frame. And I, I have a few Proverbs for you, just a, a handful of verses that show you the types of things you would read if you, if you get into Proverbs. So here's Proverbs 10, uh, 14 says, The wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of the fool brings ruin near. What I'm making the connection here is to verse 17. It says, Therefore do not be foolish. So what does the fool do here? The fool runs his mouth. He's so busy talking that he doesn't learn anything. All right, that's what the fool does. Pay attention for that. Here's verse 18. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. Now, there were two for two on references to fools running their mouth. Maybe we should pay attention to that. The guy who was on the phone for how many hours <laughs> is talking to us about running our mouth? Okay. Proverbs 10, 23. Doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. And we never get to a point where our sin is something we laugh about or make a joke or we make a joke about others' sins in the past. We, wanna, we really want to be careful with that. That verse really challenge me in, in looking at it. I hope it, hope it challenges you. Those are things that are foolish. And so when verse 17 says, don't be foolish, those are the kinds of things. There are, these are a few examples of what you get into Proverbs. It might be good uh, as a, an individual or even a family. Uh, you want to just maybe take a proverb uh, one chapter a day and, and go through it. There's all kinds of great wisdom in there that God can show us. He wants to give us wisdom if we ask for it and we seek it. We seek the Lord's will. How often do we try to do the opposite of this? Instead of understanding what the Lord's will is, we, we short-circuit the hard work of knowing. And we don't study. We, we short-circuit relationships by running our mouth about things and, and causing division 
we don't consider wrong or sin, and we, we make jokes about it, or we make jokes about others' sin. How often do we try to make this life that we're living great, and we forget that the days are evil? How often do we think we're just trying to make people a little bit better, rather than remembering the encouragement that we found earlier in this letter that uh, we're, we're converted from death to life spiritually when we put our faith in Jesus. The Lord's will, this part of the verse says, understand what the will of the Lord is. We will never understand the will of the Lord until we get into the word of God. The word of God reveals the will of the Lord. And so I cannot encourage you enough Find a plan, even if it's for a month, to read a chapter a day. Just take some baby steps to begin to make ingesting the word of God something that is a regular part of your life. Can't encourage you enough to do that. We want to know the Lord's will. It is revealed in his word how we should live, the decisions that we should make. And then for specific situations or direction, we know that God will never take us down a path or ask us to make a decision that is inconsistent with principles that we know. So seek the Lord's will. Seek it yourself. Read it. Know it. Learn it. And if there are things that you want to learn or have a situation, don't, don't hesitate to ask somebody that maybe has some wisdom that you would trust. All right, I said we hadn't had a kid's sermon yet. Let's do the kid's sermon before we put up the next point. All right, so Miss Jen is going to come on up. Children, whatever age you feel like coming, what, sixth grade and under? Sounds good. Come on up here. Miss Jen has got some good illustrations for you to think about a God-controlled life. I'm going to sit down here so I can see this. Okay. I brought my jacket with me. And you see my jacket is super cool because it's kind of magical. And that it's going to do, it does whatever I tell it to do. So um, I'm going to put it right there for a minute. I'm going to tell my jacket, jacket, I want you to walk that way. Okay. Well, he's a little shy. Um, so, Jacket, I want you to give a high five to Josiah. What's wrong with my jacket? It's not doing what I asked it to do. Any ideas? What's wrong with my jacket? I forgot something. Hold on. All right, Jacket. Walk that way. All right. High five to Josiah. Oh, did my jacket do what I asked it to do? My jacket's here, right? It's on me. But what had to happen first before my jacket could move or give a high five to somebody? Gabby, what had to happen? I had to put it on. I had to fill it. Did you know we can be filled with something? What is that called? It's called the Holy Spirit. Okay, when we have the Holy Spirit in us, when we've asked Jesus into our heart, he sends something to us that allows him to be with us all the time. And it helps us to be able to make good decisions with our time, like Pastor Kevin's been talking about, and good, and good decisions about um, 
what we might put into our bodies or things that we might do with our bodies. And it helps us to make good decisions about going out and telling other people about Jesus. It gives us the courage to do that. It helps us in so many different ways. But if we don't have Jesus in our heart, are we filled with the Holy Spirit? No, I'm just like my coat sitting there and somebody can tell me to do something. But without that Holy Spirit, I'm not going to be able to make those choices for Jesus, the good choices for Jesus. So it's very important that we want to listen to the Holy Spirit. Okay, God is controlling us through the Holy Spirit in good ways. He's helping us. He's a help to us. Okay, so let us pray that we will listen to the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit talks to us and wants to guide us in our lives. And that's God's way of helping us, okay? Dear Jesus, we just want to thank you for um, the little lives that we have in front of us. And we just pray that you will be with them, that you will give your Holy Spirit to them, Lord, to um, make great decisions for you and in their lives, um, and that they would be a light in the world, and that your Holy Spirit would just give them all the courage that they need to make good decisions and to tell others about about you. In your name I pray. Amen. Children, you may return to your seats. Great things to think about. So we know that a God-controlled life maximizes time and seeks the Lord's will. A God-controlled life also properly gives up control. Properly gives up control. Miss Jen mentioned to our children that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. That's true of all believers. How do I have a relationship with God? I confess my sin. I trust that Jesus' death on a cross is enough to forgive my sin before God. No offering I bring could ever make up for my sin. And so if I go to Jesus and I say, I trust that you uh, forgive me and that you were buried in a tomb, Lord, and that you rose from the dead, and I trust that there's no other way into heaven but to trust that you have power over death and that you rose from the dead and you are the way to eternal life. I'm a true believer if I make that confession before him and, and the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of me. And this, this verse is an encouragement, and I say properly gives up control, It says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit should control our lives. Truth is, we can give control to a lot of different things in our lives. We're going to get there in a minute. Uh, I I was thinking about controllers. I thought about a tennis racket. Another one I thought about was the old Nintendo. All right, who used this? when they were little. Derek, you did? Really? I thought you were younger than that. All right. Well, that's good. That's encouraging. I was figuring this was like 35 and up. So I got somebody in their 20s telling me they use a Nintendo controller. Um, I wanted to control a video game. It was one of these games that had a, a story. It was a military game, and I couldn't figure out how to win. And so I actually got on the phone, there was this magazine, uh, this is way back in the day before the internet where you could Google and YouTube anything you wanted on how to, how to do whatever you need to do. So I couldn't do that. I didn't know how to beat the game. And so 
I got, I got this magazine out, and there was this help uh, line, and I got on this phone, and it was like $2 a minute. You call them up, and they tell you how to beat the video game. And now I'm, I'm, I'm a right age to do this. And so I told my parents, I said, I'm paying the money because I want to beat this game. I was motivated. And so I, I had to be in control. I had to win the game. And they told me how to win the game, and I won the game. I was excited, and then I was poor. <laughs> I was broke, little guy. All right, but it, it was worth it. I beat the game. All right, so um, all that to, to think about control. We, we will, again, we, we kind of want to be in control, and I, I hope that this challenges that today. I love the illustration of the jacket. Miss Jen is the only gal in the whole uh, world that it's going to be 90 degrees today, and she has a jacket with her. <laughs> She's always cold. Uh, but it's a great illustration about the jacket, and uh, you, you don't, it doesn't work right until you put it on. And that's the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And so we want that as believers, uh, and then we want to pray for more of that every day. We want the Lord to, to fill us, and we want to be aware. And here's the, here's the, the thing about this. All right, I think sometimes when we make a, a contract... I may have used this illustration with you recently, but I'm going to bring it back again. If we make a contract, we go to, uh, maybe we're going to go buy a car, and I'm going to write down how many payments I'm going to make, and I'm going to write down how many months I'm going to make payments, and we'll make an agreement on, on the car, and, and I'll buy it from you. And that's kind of how some agreements work, is you write down everything, and you get it, and then, okay, I agree, I'll sign to that. That's not the kind of agreement God wants us to make. Here's the kind of agreement God wants from us. He wants our lives. He wants us to be able to say yes to the Holy Spirit any time he wants us to say yes to the Holy Spirit. Even if we have something better in mind, he wants us to be this available. So don't yield control of your life. What, what is on the page today is uh, specifically alcohol. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. I don't want to skip past alcohol. We can give lots of things control of our body, substances, or, or food. I know it's easy to joke about these things, but it's on, the, it's on the page. And as we look even next week into relationships between wives and husbands, I'm, I'm still convinced that the, the Holy Spirit being a part of us is so essential to even that relationship. Paul is making this so clear for us. And so I want to plead for just a moment today and to say, I love you. And if there's something in your life that has control, don't joke about it. Get honest with somebody and say, let's go after that thing that may have control of my life. And this may sound really petty to you. Uh, some of you I asked uh, independently, I said, what do you notice about my life? What do you think I really build parts of my day around, right? One of those things that you will tell me is, uh, Kevin, I know that you drink coffee. And I know that you, you like caffeine. I do. I like caffeine. And one of the things is I've begun to dive into this. Uh, I want you to write down, I'm, I've mentioned this book before. There's a book called Spirit Walk by Steve Smith. And I want you to read that book. Order it and read it and get it. And, and go through it. I've been at a snail's pace. I've been in it for months. But one of the things that I've figured out is that I can't just keep doing everything the same all the time that I want to do, my schedule, my routine, my way, and, and expect God to get through to that. I have to be available. 
I want to be available. And so sometimes, what I, my phrase is, I will try to disrupt my lazy rhythms. So if you think this sermon this morning is really bad, I'm going to confess, I didn't have any coffee this morning. I wanted to disrupt my lazy rhythm of downing a cup or two of coffee out of the pot. Now, I won't say I'm not going to have any this afternoon. I can't make that commitment. Okay? But I didn't have any this morning. I wanted to disrupt that rhythm and to say, Lord, if there's something that you want to do instead of that, then you take it and you do it. And I was tired. And, I'll be, and I will be. But I know that's petty. But I don't want anything to have control of my life. I want to encourage you to not have anything that stands in control of your life except for the Holy Spirit. When we are available... And we're making use of the time. And we're seeking the Lord's will. We can be such an encouragement to believers as we're growing together. And we can be such an encouragement to people around us who don't know Jesus. So we properly give up control. Not to alcohol or some other substance or some other thing or routine in our life. These things can become our gods. We want God to be our God. And we want the Holy Spirit to be directing our ways. We must give up control to God. Not what the earth offers uh, finally, uh, today we address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, verse 19, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. There's so much in these verses. They could probably be a sermon in and of themselves, but today I, I, I just put this under the, the title or the, the heading, a God-controlled life lives a life of praise. There are four things that this says. Multiple commentaries uh, that I consulted brought out the same things. And I'm just going to use the translations that are in the ESV. You may have different translations of, of what, what happens. Verse 19, addressing one another. How? So this is one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Part of that happens when we gather together. We did that today. It was very enriching to belt out victory in Jesus. I was encouraged singing that song and being in a room with you. And I hope that's the same. When we, when we join and we sing praise to the Lord, that's an encouragement to us. It's a sign that the Spirit is working and we want God to be the center of our lives. Now, it doesn't mean this is the only time we can quote psalms to each other. Or we can share a song with another believer. Hey, I, I heard this song and I thought of you and what you're going through. We can do those things and, and be obedient to Ephesians 5. It doesn't just have to be when believers are together. All right, but that's addressing one another, the psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. That's an individual relationship, singing and making melody in, in our heart. You ever just get a song kind of stuck in your head and you sing it out to the Lord and you're by yourself? That's one of the best places to sing because then nobody's judging you. Nobody's evaluating how good or bad you can sing. Just sing and make that joyful noise. It's part of having a relationship with the Lord. When the Holy Spirit is working, sometimes you just got a tune. And it doesn't matter if you can't carry a tune. You just sing it to the Lord, and he's the one who knows. And he probably doesn't care how good of a singer you are. He just wants to hear your song. He wants to hear you giving praise. Because that's what a God-controlled life does, is it just praises. When you're up, you praise. And when you're down, you praise. And maybe there's some songs that can be used to encourage that. The third thing. Verse 20, giving thanks always for everything. This is challenging. It's hard to give thanks when you're frustrated because things aren't going very well. Let me see you try to give thanks when you get that $300 car bill. Oh, God, it wasn't $325. I'm giving thanks. That's hard for me. 
All right? It's hard to give thanks in all circumstances. But when our life is full of God and we're surrendered, we're going to trust that God can work in the circumstances. I'm not trying to, to make this a platitude or some, some thing on a calendar or a cheap card. This is real. When the Holy Spirit is working, we are able to give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, praise, because God is God and he sent his son for us. And then finally, this will be a bridge to next week. Here's where we'll bookmark submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting means that we often will give up our preferences. We release our judgments. We increase our humility. We view others through love. We admit our wrong. We seek unity. Pretty much everything that's been written in Ephesians 5. That's what submitting is about. And we'll get a, a real zoom-in look at, at husband and wife relationship and what submission looks like there uh, next week. You may think this is all this for super spiritual people. No, it's not. There's nobody receiving this letter in the Ephesian churches who would have been considered super spiritual. <laughs> nobody receiving this letter. These are people, uh, a lot of them grew up outside of any kind of influence of faith or life or religion and having any kind of a spiritual culture. Th these are instructions to people who are brand new to any kind of faith at all, let alone faith in Jesus. A, a, a God-controlled life maximizes time, seeks the Lord's will, properly gives up control, and lives a life of praise. Those are four things that happen when God is more and more getting control of our life, when we are submitting more and more to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. That is who we are becoming. And it is my hope. I just challenge you, wherever you are, it doesn't matter. If you're not where you want to be, ask God, I want to, I want to grow. I want to be farther. I want to learn how to follow you. I want to learn how to know you. And I want to identify anything in these verses that can challenge me and help me. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts and he loves and he challenges and he points things out and he nudges us and he says, hey, you can, you can do this. And I'm with you because the Holy Spirit lives in us. All right. Before we sing, I want to just spend a few moments asking the Lord to cement some of these thoughts in our hearts that maybe God is stirring up. Let's go to him today.